My guest today is Emmanuel from Bokuma Sins, and we're talking about being agile and working on small parts of synthesizers that you really want to build to realize a grand vision in the future. Just imagine that you would want to build something like the, I don't know, Minimoog. That's quite a crazy and ambitious challenge to take on yourself, especially if you're working from home. And so what Emmanuel is doing is like, I want to get there, but before I can actually realize something so big, I should maybe start just building something small. So what about just creating a small controller or maybe a VCO or a VCF, like a filter. And by doing these, I can test them out. I can learn through the process and I can bring them to the market. So people who love what I do can support my future vision that I am going to realize in some time. And so the conversation goes into the challenges that one can take when they just work from home and want to learn how to become a professional manufacturer of synthesizers like Arturia or Moog or Make Noise or all the other companies we're interviewing here. So I think it's a very interesting conversation for anyone who is in this space of like, I may be a sound engineer or maybe a musician and I want to build my own musical instruments. And how do I do that? Where do I start? Without further ado, this is Emmanuel from Bokuma Synths. I'm Roy, Synth UX Academy, and this is the Synth Design Podcast. I got into Eurorack designs because they're not... I mean, there's no one in Mexico doing them at the moment, I don't mm -hmm. think. So a lot of people were asking them, I mean, asking me about, hey, are you doing Eurorack soon? Is there anything coming up on that end? So I thought I'll give it a shot. And also, because it's so modular and it's, it's, it's so easy to combine into other designs, my idea in the future, I, I want to design like a semi-modular desktop synth with, uh, you know, like a user-centric approach. So I thought I'll give it a go. And then, so I'm designing modules and then putting just modules out there for the people that are starting to use Zero Rack here in Mexico. But uh, I mean, price point is always an issue for someone who wants to get into Zero Rack here in, in, in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to get them from the States or from Europe. So you end up paying like taxes, uh, shipping and all that. So at the moment, it's still like a hobby or a luxury that, just a few can can afford so i'm trying to change that a little bit and just offering options to uh the people that are following my brand already and uh, right so yeah that's basically the logic behind doing Eurorack since at the moment right and yeah just that VCO. yeah and, uh, uh, it's yeah. it's a great learning opportunity as well so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely but before that you actually did uh you you designed the compass Oh yeah, I actually I wanted to I actually have the product prototypes here. Um, I'll I'll share some pictures in a moment if you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was like my first sort of like approach into tactile interfaces and different ways of interfacing with a synth. Um, so I started working on Compass before then. Uh, my first design was a very very simple, uh, you know. DIY synth kit that I sell to people wanting to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it's called Frankie. It's based on Frankenstein and it's everything. It's out in the open for you to learn and assemble and just 
uh, play around with it. And, and it's, you know, like a way of seeing if, if you get beaten by the bug of, of synthesis and electronics, right? So yeah, it's, it's a popular product. I, I, I tried to so like discontinue it because it was taking a lot of my time. But it, uh, people just kept asking for it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it's a good way of making money and keeping things rolling. So, I, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I work for the user, right? I mean, I, I do have my interests and, and my inclinations. But at the end of the day, what determines if those inclinations are being useful or valuable, uh, the, the use is not, not yeah. really most. Uh, and then I moved into Compass, and I actually have the first uh, sort of like the the first faceplate here. Mm. Um, but this one, uh, I mean, you can't really see the the. the it's a bit hard to see. I'm just seeing a black yes. screen. Yeah. So this was like the first sort of prototype. Actually, before that, I I did like you know proof of concept with this kind of PCB boards, mm -hmm. and then yeah, the, here's another one as well. Um, and then I, uh, this, this is the first, so like the first, uh, prototype unit sort of thing. And now you can see like the hexagons here, yeah. with, uh, you know, they have a layout. Um, it's acrylic at the back. I'm not, cool. not really beautiful. Yeah. It, I mean, it looks good. I'm not really convinced about the quality of it, but, uh, it's something that I have to keep working on. And, um, yeah, so this was like my first approach to doing UX for a synth, uh, you know, like, and really thinking about, you know, putting all of the knobs over here so they don't get in the way when you play uh, these two buttons down here and the cables up here. So, you know, they're not sort of like in the way of your hand when you play. And the node arrangement is like the main idea I wanted to pursue with the design. Uh, I can really remember the scale exactly. I mean, you can change this, the scaling uh, in the firmware, right? It, it, it's it's got a, a little a little MCU, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's on an E minor sc scale. So mm -hmm. so you have those steps there. And I wanted to put more keys into it, but I, uh, you know, it, it, the sensor chip that I was using or that I'm using design only allows for this number. Of keys, so I'll need to do some multiplexing and all of that. So I just, I I thought I, I'll keep myself within those boundaries and yeah, then try and finish the design. Yeah, the mm -hmm. constraints. Otherwise, I mean, it can go forever, you know. Like, of course. And and that's something that I've learned in the process that it just goes forever and, and it's just really, it's endless and it's very frustrating at the end of the day, and. The, I, one thing that I want to mention is that the faceplate is made out of uh, FR4, uh, which is the same material that PCV, PCBs are made from. Yeah. And I really like this material because it's really cheap. And it also allows for doing transparencies on it. So yeah. I'm not sure if you can really see it, but like the, the LEDs, they don't really come out of the, of the faceplate. It's just like a little window there with the transparency and then mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i place like a really ultra ultra bright led down and then you can see it through with no problem so it looks really cool like it's, it looks really minimalistic really like smooth and i yeah. really liked it so uh yeah do, do you produce them change. do you produce yeah. them uh, in in mexico yeah yeah i do i mean some of these things uh i i i produce here in the city and some others i have to go to another 
uh, to the south of Mexico. It's just a uh, price point, pretty much. Yeah. So, so yeah, I try to keep uh, stuff local. Obviously, components I, I do have to buy from Mouse or maybe yeah. for prototypes I do Tida. You know, that's, you know yeah, yeah. keep it as cheap as possible. And um, so yeah, that's that's Compass pretty much. I mean, I did I did sell like ten units of this, and it's very simple. Uh, it's a very simple sort of synth. It's based on on another pre-existing synth, uh, Creative Commons design. So this is. Uh, I publish this as Creative Commons as well on my on my website, so anyone can just come into it uh, and just yeah, just build it pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I wanted to do was exploring the interface uh, aspects of a synth and trying to like uh, figure out new ways of placing keys. And I have a really good friend who's a, a jazz player; she plays piano, so we spent hours talking about scales and you know why the piano is arranged in that way. And mm -hmm. it's it's really not a very well, as I understood it, it's it's not a, a very ergonomic design per se. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it was designed originally, and and then you know trying to think about that idea and how to innovate on that idea on note placement and making that uh you know note placement more a bit more obvious and then placing like the notes uh from the lower pitch over here and then mm -hmm. from the higher pitch over here so you have that sort of sense like it goes from low to to high mm -hmm. uh sort of thing right so uh so yeah that was like the main the main idea um and I'm, I'm happy with the results you know but i want to take it further and adding more functions to it and that sort of thing make it more useful perhaps yeah, so so i i know that you also have background in user experience in general in like digital design product design uh not really i mean not really in digital products more in like physical a product development. Uh, I did work for a small product development firm uh, here in Mexico. Okay. Um, but yeah, my background is in sound engineering. And um, so I come from the electronics. So like, uh, yeah, like the electronics background. I remember that you mentioned something about uh, experience in user experience. In Oh, in yeah. Like, uh, I'm just... Uh, I suppose I want to learn more from it. So I'm starting like, you know, reading about it and just understanding more about, mm -hmm. about that, those aspects. And I do work for a software company and we have that UX yeah. component. So, yeah. So, so, so you're basically working agile and then on your synths as well, you're trying to work agile. So how, yes. how, what, what is really the difference between working waterfall into agile when you're building something like a synthesizer uh i think the main difference is having more achievable and tangible results in less time so to use compass as an example uh as as, as i was saying before you know i was telling you how, how this could go for forever if i was to play some multiplexers and increasing the size of these and all of that right Mm -hmm. So having an agile approach and working in smaller iterations, what really does is that it allows for like a smaller sprint, sort of like the sign sprint process where, where I, it allows for just trying out a, a, a small idea mm -hmm. 
and then testing that idea with a user, right? So say for, for this board, I tested like the, the idea of having the touch plate arranged in this way, right? Mm-hmm. And then I tested this with a user. So it's not really like a pretty prototype, but it's mm-hmm. more like a functional prototype. Oops. Yeah. So then I tested this with, with a user, with my friend, uh, and she used it and say, oh, you know, it's pretty cool, but it's not the best arrangement that I could help for. So then we started discussing about different ideas on how to arrange the, the keys, right? Or, or the touch plates. Mm-hmm. And then we came up with this sort of arrangement. So I think the main difference will be that imagine that I just follow my idea endlessly without really testing that idea with, with a user. And then maybe the final design will have these sort of like configuration on the keys. Mm-hmm. And then when you present that to someone else, they'll say the same thing, right? They'll say, oh, you know, it's pretty cool, but I don't really like how the, the, the notes are arranged. Can you change that? Or, And then by that point, you already have like, I don't know, 10, 20, 50 units. And, you know, it's really hard to solve them because people yeah. really- And months them. of work behind you. So it gets really exactly, frustrating to yeah. also make such yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so this way you get to like test it out and- you know, I can, uh, I'll share my screen. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Give me one sec. So here's like a photo of uh, like the first surf approach, right? Mm. So you see the Arduino and the sensors and all that. And then pretty much presented that to, to my friend and then just, you know, used it pretty much. And before then it was just like that, you know, just like yeah. copper copper tape with wires and then so this was sort was, of like a layout of a piano in a sense yeah exactly that's yeah. like the first this and and this is just to try you know if the sensors will work with the arduino latency you know you name it latency uh, if you press two of them what happens if it's really stable if you need to change things there's also a backdrop here yeah, uh, cool. which is just a LED to a photoresistance, mm-hmm. and this is—I should say—this is from from the original design. But mm-hmm. I wanted to try this this casing around it is is three D printed, mm. so I wanted to to try that sort of casing and see if that really changes changed the sound or not. So, so that's like the first approach, and then moving on to this one, and trying it out again, and then having a user tested, and then if they as I say, they didn't like the arrangement and then moving on to, to a different idea. And I'll just go back a little bit. And, you know, this is like the first sort of ideas just on paper, right? And just discussing ideas and talking about scales with my, with my friend. And basically what she was saying is that this section of the keyboard will give you a Dorian sort of like mm-hmm. uh, sound, like a Dorian uh the scale mm-hmm. and then if you paid from here from this section to the next one it'll give you a lydian and then phrygian at the end right and then you'll have the the entire octave octave here arranged by pitch so that was an interesting idea and and it comes from a from someone who has a musical uh, mindset right so I'm, I'm not really a musician so I, I only think about technology and electronics and now I'm starting to think about UX experience and all of that, but yeah. 
you know my musicianship is is poor to say to say the least right so uh having but, that input from someone yeah but, but hold on you you did you did have background in music audio engineering yeah no, no right i mean i don't really play an instrument mm-hmm. i know how to record and produce music but right i mean having that sort of like artistic musician mindset i think it's very different from my musician technical mindset if that makes sense that's that's very interesting to say because i think that a lot of people don't really see it that way uh, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> so like a producer is like well i'm a musician and it's true because they are making music and i would say that anyone that Correct. is making music professionally can call themselves a, a musician but then if you're creating an instrument that's supposed to be played as a keyboard as a piano sort Correct. of thing then it's a bit hard to say that you can actually evaluate that experience if you're a Correct. producer that doesn't really know how to play a piano or a guitar that layout that you showed there uh for me i'm i'm my my origin my beginning was in guitar so when i look at this right away it feels like oh yeah these are it's like frets but only like two strings sort of correct and they're tuned yeah. to a certain um uh, scale so it's correct. very intuitive and i think also what you mentioned about the, the the piano and the way that it was designed i think it had to do with the fa- with the fact that the, there was a constraint to the fact that physically this needs to be connected to strings yes so there is literally no other way or maybe like that's probably one of the best ways of doing it and it's very visually clear for a composer to know where they are on the piano yes correct yeah wow. exactly uh i think that that's where like the value of testing ideas with the end user comes from like mm-hmm. i i mean i understand music right i i like music and i do this because i love music but i think uh having to play an instrument to create music that it's inspiring to others and that it's uh nice to hear and you know masterpieces in music it requires a very different mindset and a very different formation right so mm-hmm. uh this is where i believe that uh having that input from someone who will be using this to make music uh it's really valuable right because they will be you know saying oh having this arrangement makes more sense musically because they might have a certain bias you know a certain mental model that they're used to as as you said just now like you know it 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 makes sense because it reminds me of frets and it's just so as a user that'll give you like an easier experience to to use the synth because you'll say oh yeah i can understand this i don't have to spend hours reading a manual i can just understand what each note is and then start experimenting and that's what i'm trying to achieve in in the designs that you put out something that looks nice and sounds nice but also has to you know it has to offer this experience of oh yeah i can just plug this in and start playing and experimenting and then yeah you know having that learning curve very shortly and then move on to experimenting and making music uh, yeah so, so yeah, yeah. The, I think that's that was the logic behind it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that that is definitely logical. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm uh, 
looking at the features you have there, you have a bunch of uh, uh, sockets and uh, three knobs. So what do oh, each yeah. of these do? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try and find a, another photo. I think you had a couple of photos there of the final. Yeah, yeah. so this is like uh, 3D. Well, not 3D, sorry. Like a Maybe 3D. you can zoom in. That's easier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, perfect. So over here, I mean, as I said, this is based on a synth called... Uh, can't remember the name of the synth, but it, it it's from from Doctor Bleep. Okay, it's a guy from Austin, Texas, and mm -hmm. he he gives out workshops, and he I I'm, I really like his work because he he did a lot of really interesting stuff synth wise with with the the MCU from the Arduinos, and mm -hmm. I, I thought that was genius. <laughs> um, so I I use so like similar features and change the design around and then i it was just a way of trying this idea in in a in a faster way right using that uh you know that sort of uh yeah the opportunity of 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 using creative commons for for these sort of purposes right yeah um so you have different arpeggiator styles over here uh inputs you have sync in and sync out so you can sync the synth with another clock mm -hmm. or maybe use the synth for for as a master clock and you change that with this with this the switch that is placed over here and then you have the uh, different appreciator styles mm -hmm. um so basically just like an octave or maybe just going upwards downwards random and then it also gives you the option to record your own sequence, right? So you record the sequence and then you play it. You play it back with automatically with, with the synth. Um, then we have the LFO over here. So as I was saying before, the LFO has a backdrop. It's backdrop control. It's like a filter. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it gives you that sort of modulation with a light emitting the diode and a photoresistor. Uh, so different different styles uh, for this, and then you see the the LED over here for for the app and for the LFO, right? So you and, see it. Reflected. And the LFO the LFO is controlling the amplitude. Yes, correct. It'll, okay. It's more like a LFO VCA sort of thing, and it gives yeah. you that mm -hmm. that uh, style. And then you have different waveforms over here, uh, which this is what I find most genius about Doctor Bleeps work with the arduinos because it's just amazing what it's it's a bit of like a lo-fi sound but it doesn't really i mean it sounds interesting it, it doesn't sound cheap it sounds pretty cool in my mm -hmm. opinion and then you have glide options for the for the keys and you you're you can shift the octave three up if i'm not mistaken if i remember correctly three octaves up and three octaves down um so yeah, that's pretty much like the main, the main functions of the synth. If that and, and, and these functions, um, um, they come from his work, or did you add any functionality to it? Uh, no, they pretty much come from from his uh, work. Like it's basically the same sound engine uh, okay. from from his design. Do you want to maybe? I, uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to maybe uh, show his uh, yeah. his his design? Yeah, sure. Um, let me just, I'll find it on another screen and then share it. Okay. 
I think that's really interesting to take something. I wish more people would do that uh, to design something that looks really professional and uh, designed based on conversations with musicians that are going to be playing it. Um, and yeah, in terms of functionality, it's basically the same, the same function. It's just a matter of how it's being organized in front of you, the, the form factor of it and um, the, yeah, right. the, yeah the, the way that people can actually interact with the interface yes yes uh, uh, you know as i was saying uh for me this was a way of trying to experiment with the ux or the design the user-centric design aspects of making mm -hmm. something right so the original design is from bleep labs dr bleep uh, yeah it's the nebulophon yeah. which is a a pretty cool little synth and it runs on a, an Arduino Uno, I think yeah. it is. But, um, you know, the keys, you, you see the backdrop here and then yeah. the keyboard is more about, uh, you know, closing a circuit with a, with, with a alligator hook, right? Yeah. A few videos <laughs> here. And it, it's pretty cool. And then you can actually like communicate a bunch of them in cascades sort or of thing, like right? waterfall. And and it sounds it sounds pretty cool. I mean, I really love the design. And I actually wrote to to uh, I pay my respects to to him, right? And uh, and I say, hey, look, I'm I'm working on this, and here's what I'm thinking of. What what do you think? Yeah, right. And and yeah, we just bounced a couple ideas. So maybe he gave me feedback on that. And and yeah, I mean, so it it was an interesting exercise to like go from here and. That's what I love about Creative Commons, right? You can you can share your work. I mean, I, as I said, Compass is up there on the cloud, and then you can just download the files, the code, and see how it's done and program. And then you can take that idea one step, one step ahead, right? One mm -hmm. step further. And same thing with the Nebulophone, right? So it started with this idea, which is pretty cool. And then someone else will come and say, "Oh, I, I really like it," but you know, I wonder if 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 this will work with this other idea I have mm -hmm. for a user interface or for a touch plate, and then you start playing around with that and then you end up with a different product. And then, you know, it's like the collective creativity of, of people that are interested in, in these kind of things. And there's a lot of projects uh, that work this way, right? And at first it's, for me personally, it was a bit of a, like a hard idea to, come around to like i thought you know if i'm doing things i have to start from scratch all the way and i you know i i can't just copy and paste something but the more i did it the more i realized that creativity is just like that right it's like recycling ideas and and innovating is about recycling those ideas and taking one step ahead and, and trying to really yeah like uh really you know better your your last idea to have a better idea for the next one and and that's how it goes i think that's how you sort of like reach the level of mastery if for lack of a better term in, yeah in but this, I, I in whatever discipline right yeah i i completely agree i think that uh otherwise you you might find yourself building like op amps because yeah, you know <laughs> I could, I could like say, yeah, you know, uh, someone designed these op amps and I cannot use them because 
it's uh, designed by someone else i need to start from scratch yeah right like here's I, I have to, yeah here's some silicon i have to make a transistor out of this and yeah that, that's exactly right i mean it's it's all about the collective effort right so, yeah uh, that, for, yeah for, so. For the people who don't really know, uh, or maybe uh, or maybe con uh, concerned or, or afraid of going into this um, world of like sharing their knowledge or taking someone else's knowledge, designing something from it and selling it, uh, are there like rules for this world for someone who is just starting out? Yeah, I mean, you can check out the, the Creative Commons licenses. There's different licenses, right? So you'll have the Creative Commons with... Uh uh different uh rules or mm -hmm. subset of rules depending on the license um i mean i i, I personally I, I would recommend anyone starting to this to really go into the website and read it out and, and not just take my word as as mm -hmm. the last word of uh, on the topic but um you have like the option of sharing your your work with uh no commercial possibilities so you mm -hmm. i mean you can sell it i mean you can use it for whatever you want but not for commercial purposes or you have the the creative commons license with the commercial possibility right possibilities so you can resell the product even or you can make changes to the product but you have to like source the original author like mm -hmm. just name it or give that information out to the public and then you can sell your own product based on that technology. Um, mutable instruments, for instance, very famous for doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, a lot and of Behringer are taking their work, work and making yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you have, I mean, that's like, that's like a very different conversation, right? Because you have these Creative Commons license that really allows for people like you and I to experiment and put out ideas and work in a boutique sort of smaller scale without the resources of a big corporation. And then suddenly you have a big corporation coming in and just have it. And it's just like, uh, defeats the purpose of it, in my opinion. But, you know, it's just yeah. how it is, I suppose. It's it's weird. We, we, we're living in a, in a very weird, uh, weird situation that things like this happen. But um, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, um, about some other um, other projects. Like, what are you? Uh, so before you worked on this, you mentioned you there was another project. I forgot the name. Yeah, Frankie. Frankie. Um, yeah. So that was my first synth out there, you know, and I'm actually. I mean, I'm I'm not. I I look at it and and I think. That it's not very nice you know i think of like oh that's really i'm ashamed of what i did with that with that scene but i suppose it's part of of the process so i'll share some pictures i would love that uh, i think i think that any um anyone who is just starting out and these conversations are basically for people who are like 20 year olds or even younger and like uh they, they want to explore or they have no idea they could e they could even start Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to to see how things actually start before they look so cool. Yeah, so uh, you know, this is it. This is Frankie. I don't know if you can see it. I'll try. And yeah, zoom you can. You can zoom in probably a bit. Uh, yeah, but that, but that's that's good. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. So Frank and Frankie, it started out with. I was just experimenting with uh, 
basic oscillators and a very basic filter. And then I saw someone on YouTube doing something similar. And then I wonder if I could integrate a little sequencer into it and what else I could do with, with that idea. And it, it's really basic. It, it runs off a nine volt bat, uh, battery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started working on it and then I name it Frankie because it's based on, on Frankenstein because it's just out of the open and it was like the first sort of uh, synth that I was uh, making and, and the first synth that I decided to put out there mm-hmm. uh, as, as a brand, as, as Bokuma. Um, and, you know, it, it just, uh, I used to assemble them myself and then sell them out. Mm-hmm. But then it started like just being too much. And then I used to pay someone else to, to assemble them. And then people started asking them as a kit form. Right. And then, so today it's sold as a kit, as DIY kit. Mm-hmm. So you, you have all the instructions for the assembly, you receive all the parts and then you, you assemble it. So it's, it's very beginning, uh, beginner friendly. Uh, it runs from a, ba- a battery. It has this design at the back, just around the idea of Frankenstein again. Um, and, and yeah, it's pretty much like eight several notes over here it's a square a square wave oscillator and it's got a like a small um sequencer mm-hmm. and the way it works is that depending on the combination that you place on this dip switch it'll create random sequences mm-hmm. so it's not really linear per se it's not that you switch the steps in in a traditional sequencer mm-hmm. way but it's more about experimenting and seeing how it sounds. And then, so that, that was the idea behind it, just inviting people to play with it and, and find out um, the possibilities of a DIY synth, right? And then the other thing, uh, it, has, it has a filter, a low-pass filter that is controlled by photoresistors. So, so you put your hand over it and it changes the sound. So that makes it very interactive. And I think that's what people likes about it. Like it's just, you know, you create a random sequence and then just start playing with your hand. And then suddenly you have crazy sounds coming out of something that you built. Yeah. Uh, and for me personally, that's a very interesting experience because I, I love doing this and I love assembling things that make noise, uh, you know, my own instruments or my own scenes or, or whatever. So this is a very introductory, so like kit for doing that. Mm-hmm. Design-wise, is is I would say is poorly designed. It's probably wrong that I say this out of the open, but uh, yeah, it's just like using very like a lot of automation in the routing of the PCB, and you know, but it, it works. I mean, it it doesn't really affect uh, the the functioning of of the synth, and that's one of the other advantages of doing agile in in these kind of things, like when you're doing iterations, what you're concerned about is, is about delivery value to your user. It's not really about having the masterpiece of super engineering that it's all flawless and it's all fail proof and all that. I mean, uh, when, when, and, and we can, we can talk a, a little bit more about the process of, of prototyping and all, and all that in, in a moment, if you want, but 
like it's it's not really that's not the objective of of making a synth it's more about making something that sounds good and looks good and works so sometimes that means plugging things the opposite way because that that's the way the design is asking you to to do it right and and the other thing that i find that people in this sort of like niche find very convenient or very fun about it is that when you have instruments that sometimes they malfunction they actually function better in a musical sense right so they like it because of those happy surprises yeah. and that happens a lot with frankie like with the sequencer because it's not very precise in the the way the steps are being played it allows for a lot of really happy accidents and a lot of uh, you know the machine just making it sound sounds and so like being alive if if i may yeah continue with the entire frankenstein yeah uh, it, 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 it seems like it's uh I, I didn't play it but i uh, from what i understand it it's like it's that instrument that would surprise you yes correct yeah and yeah and then when you plug it in and then you make it work like it really growls like it, it, it like the oscillator is really really crunchy right and yeah and and then you think about it and go like, whoa, this is coming from a nine volt nine volt battery and something that I put together in a couple of hours, and it's it's very fascinating, I think. Um, so yeah, that's that's Frankie. Uh, so so, so yeah, if if we're looking at this, uh, uh, there are a bunch of features here uh, that you mentioned. Were there features that did not exist in the first iteration? Um. Yeah, the sequencer mainly. I spent a lot of time with the sequencer. It wasn't there in the first iteration. Also the filter. And I'm actually thinking of reworking this because I know, and that's the thing, right? Like, again, I, this could go forever, but at the end of the day, the the goal of doing this personally with my project of, of Pakuma Saints is is uh, it's a business project, right? It's selling products for, for a certain niche. So if this was a hobby, it could go forever and, and that's pretty cool, right? I'll have a lot of fun. And, but at the end of the day, if this is not really making revenue, it's not really working from that business side of things. So at the time that I was designing this synth, I was working at a small product development firm. And the director, Adolfo, from, from that uh, firm, he he was my mentor and he was teaching me like a lot of stuff about product development and manufacturing a product for, for, for profit. I started learning about lean processes, agile and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I will come up with a design and I will tell him, oh, you know, this is the design, but uh, I think I can still make it run with a clock outside clock so i can add this feature add this other feature and all that and it came to the point that he said you know what that's a really those are really great ideas but you really need an mvp and you really need to put this out like yesterday right mm -hmm. and he said something like and and this is not from like he read it somewhere and he was telling me if you're not if your first product in the market doesn't make you feel a little bit ashamed, you're doing it wrong, right? Yeah. 
That's a so, quote. I don't know uh, who who is the quote from, but yeah, I know this quote. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't remember who the quote is from either. But but that was the. I mean, that's like the philosophy behind lean man. I mean, lean product development in my understanding, right? It's about creating value as fast as possible, but really delivering that value to the user. So. What I did, I invited a lot of people to come into the office and test it out. And I gave them a free beer. Mm-hmm. And then I have them test test out the first prototype. And they liked it. And I asked them quite openly, would you buy this? Would you pay certain amount of, of Mexican pesos for this? And they say, yeah. Yeah, man. Like, do you have them available? I, I want one. Like right now, right? So that was a big teaching for me, right? Like it, I don't really need to have a, uh, like a perfect product because that's my idea of perfect, right? But if you yeah. put it out there, people will like it and people will just buy it. And then you expand on the idea. So I'm thinking of like revisiting this design and then placing more features into it and then maybe having a second, second version of Frankie, right? Like Frankie Mark II, whatever. Same with Compass, having Compass with CV control and, yeah. you know, uh, bigger interfaces. I don't know. I, I completely uh, agree with you on the um, lean and agile approach. And also the idea of like when I when I talk to designers, uh, many of them, uh, even if they have like large companies, they really it's like you're talking to an artist. It's like I'm I'm making this for myself. If people are gonna enjoy it, that's awesome. But if not, you know, <laughs> um, that's their problem. Yeah. The the thing is that when you start thinking in a in a more agile way, then you're able to invest. You you're able to introduce new innovation and more innovation simply because of the approach. Because you're not diving into detail too much. You are delivering something that works and it's fun, and this is what it. This is what I have at the moment, and I can keep working on it. But while I'm working on it, I can already release it to the world so they can play with it. I can get some revenue from it so I can develop my own my new project. Correct. And like this, yes. you're you can create you you can. Uh, accelerate your development process and you can create things that are really inspiring and like really push the boundaries simply because today things are possible in the 80s it might have been much harder to do stuff to do stuff like this because we would just not have the the materials to do it and now because you can actually print a pcb around the corner and create some things and just show it to to a few people online and they're like oh i would buy this and then you sell it then at a certain point you can create a very very small local business that can create original uh, uh, projects just because you're working in a more agile way. While if you like really try to figure out all the details at once, you might spend two hours, two two years on a project and not release anything, and that's that's a loss, I think. Correct. Yeah, and you know it's funny that you mentioned that because one thing that I should say about Frankie is that it came out that way because i needed money to fund my other my other ideas and projects so i thought oh well i can i can manufacture frankies and i can sell them out and then i can start making revenue so i can work on more interesting projects right like more 
you know, real projects. I used to think that way. And yeah. then, and then once I was working on those projects, I found myself like having to deal with Frankie most of the time. So I sort of like thought, ah, oh, maybe I should discontinue Frankie and then introduce new products and then make people forget about Frankie. So, mm-hmm. but it just didn't happen. I mean, at the end of the day, it's people, uh, you know, it's the market or the user that says, hey, you know, I, I like it. I, I where's Frankie? I, I want to assemble one. I want. So that that gives you a lot of insight into what people are really into. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm finding out that uh, each day more and more people are into DIY and assembling things and mm-hmm. learning about electronics. A lot of people ask about workshops, for instance. So I've used Frankie as a workshop platform as well. So, so now you have a product that is so like giving you different revenue streams, right? Like workshops, the product per se, assembled product, it might come with a with an assembly fee or you name it right mm-hmm. so and then you can move on to like new projects that you might be interested in like the modular things that i'm working on right now because people are so like looking for that and then it's giving me the chance to learn about new technologies and new ways of doing things or maybe not even new things you, you know just how oscillators work yeah. and then innovating on those ideas and putting out different products uh you know for people to try out and then i i think it's fun i mean it's 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 a lot of fun working in that sort of like rhythm in that agile really uh ask you asks you to to like you really need to be agile you know i think that's what it's called and so i i i've learned about it in that in that product development firm and then I move on to a software industry. So it's, it's a bit different, but the approach is, is the same. It's, it's value and user-centric. So I think having that sort of approach or mentality to the project, it, uh, it also gives it like a good channel to output those ideas because, yeah, as, as I say, you can, you can spend months on a project and you can lose yourself in a design and if it if it's not really going somewhere then in a way you're wasting your time right yeah um yeah i agree and and that's why uh, that's what i learned from from that experience of working on a on a product development firm and having someone telling me okay that's pretty cool what you're doing you're a pretty good engineer if you want to hear that Mm -hmm. but you're a terrible businessman right so this is just not gonna work you have to start thinking this other way if you want to achieve those things but if you want to be an artist and if you want to put out the signs for people to use them if they like them that's fine too you know it it, it all depends on your sort of approach and intention of, but, of but, but also as an, as a, but also as an artist it's it's important to understand that if you're making your if you're making your art bottom line you actually want people to yeah. see it to experience it you're not just doing things solely for yourself you're not like an egocentric person you just happen to be creative and you want to output something to the world and if that output needs to get to people then you need to understand how to get it to people that's just part of it it's not like yes. uh, like the yeah there is a very intricate balance between uh just doing things for yourself and it can be that you're just you're just doing engineering it has nothing to do with art either 
but you're just like I'm making my own thing and that's it it's only for myself and that's cool but yeah. then if you're calling yourself an artist and you're uh, or an engineer and there is a mission behind this like you, you have a statement as an artist you're trying to reflect on society on I don't know things in politics um, or whatever um, global warming and you make something it's not for yourself this is for other people to be to to be affected by mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when you work in 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 such an in such mentality that like you understand okay I need to deliver on a deadline some people look at it might look at it as like yeah you're basically cutting my wings I don't have my freedom anymore I say well you just become a professional artist you don't yes. expect like when Radiohead releases an album yeah maybe now it's different but when they even when they just left the uh, the label and started working for themselves they were working with deadlines with like the the manager and Tom York and Greenwood are like figuring out what is okay so when when do we release this this is a business of course it's yes. super creative and like pushing the boundaries completely but mm-hmm. it's not like I'm making stuff for myself I'm just singing for myself yes correct yeah that's exactly yeah that's exactly right like it's uh for me it's finding the equilibrium and making it work yeah because uh I mean this is this is not my full-time job but uh, I know a lot of people who you know started making these kind of things and then suddenly it's their full-time job because oh yeah you make it work and 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 you have to think that way that you need to pay you have bills to pay so you make it work and, and you make it go that way and so yeah i think agile having that sort of agile approach and understanding how to channel creativity into results it's very important in these sort of efforts because especially for myself, because I, I find that I am very dispersed with my interests at, at, at some point, and then I can change directions very quickly. And at sometimes it's just not the best, the best way to go. As I was saying with the oscillator, right? Like redesigning a VCO because I want to learn the, like from, from scratch, what, what it takes to build a really stable, nice sounding oscillator with yeah. cool features in the short term it might not be the best approach because it's going to take me a while until i have a finished product but in the long time i feel that you know it's it's going to be like a better design by by the end of it but i think at this point i i kind of have the luxury of, of time because i have frankie that is so it, it sells pretty well and you know, I have uh, I have another like uh, a BCF coming out probably at the end of the month, so that's you know it it so like gets the ball rolling slowly, and then I can relax a little bit with with this kind of thing. Yeah. But when I originally designed the VCO, it was more about okay, I'm gonna make a VCO, but I need to make it quick. So I decided to go with with three three forty. Yeah. Yeah, the three three forty. Which is a it's a pretty cool uh, chip. I mean, it, it nothing wrong with it. It's just from my point of view, I like it to be different in my design, right? So yeah, I get it. It's a it's a it almost seems like um, the the other projects allow you to now do some more research and to spend more Correct. time on research and development. So you'll be able to create something, um, yeah, more specific that you're not really sure exactly how it's going to turn out. Like this, yes. probably not really very agile in that sense. 
yes yeah in that sense it might not be but when when you think about it in in the sense of having modules it's it's agile in a way because you design say a bco and then you put out the bco and it's giving you revenue or, or it's putting the brand out there mm-hmm. and then you move on to a vcf and then it does the same thing and then sample and hold and at the end of that process you pretty much have all have all of the elements to create a desktop synth which is my idea down the run yeah so it's like all right i'm i'm creating this desktop synth that i have in my mind with a user centric approach but while doing that i'm able to sell these small chunks of that same product right. so it's an. I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, it's it's an interesting idea to explore, and I think that's what what's get uh, what is like my motivation or what what gets me going is having that interesting idea to explore and see if it works or if it, if it doesn't. Well, it's just how it is, you know. Yeah, I think I think it's quite challenging uh, and very ambitious to work to to build now an analog, a standalone analog complete synthesizer yes. so by saying okay i'm just going to build now a vco and then i'm going to build a vca or a vcf i'm going to add a little mixer and slowly i am basically building the whole thing but i'm not setting myself to now finish a complete um i don't know an uh, arturia mini brute in like yeah, one right. go that's just i mean that's <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing to do that but yeah if you're just starting out and you're like learning your way your way through then it's probably wiser to build like small components and every time that you have one of these components then you're sort of like uh incrementally getting to that point that you can actually create something that would be sort of like the the mini brute yeah yeah exactly yeah. and and you know just to give or to add to that perspective the idea with compass for instance now that i understand more or less how technically these sensors work mm-hmm. it'll be super easy to integrate this into another device that will connect to that synth for instance right so you're sort of like creating that knowledge base for your brand and your work mm-hmm. and it's very important to keep documentation on that and and then using that documentation to and and it it becomes faster right like your time to market gets reduced every time yeah because you know how to do things like mm-hmm. oh i remember this project that i did with compass and i remember what i learned from it and i i have it documented then i'm yeah. going to use that learning and that experience for this project and then it's like putting this bit of work into this new new bit of work and the more you do it, the more body of knowledge you are creating for yourself. And then you get to output those ideas faster because you've done it in the past. And, and I think that's why it's very, very important to have that approach of doing MVPs and learning from that experience, trying to create revenue for, from those MVPs, but then allowing those MVPs to, to become something bigger each time. And you know, at my scale, I'm, I'm, this is just like a one-man show, right? So I don't mm-hmm. really have a lot of time or resources. or So I move a little bit slower than the typical company will do, probably. But I believe that every time that I put out a product out there, it's something that I can be proud of. And it's something that I'm sure 
people will appreciate because it's coming from this philosophy of designing stuff from someone else and really having that technical expertise in putting those products out there. And that, you know, I, I think it's, it gives the brand a, a little bit of added value, right? It's like people in Mexico, I think they start to, oh my, the way I see it is, is they start to see Bokuma as a Mexican synth brand that is putting stuff out there. Uh, but it's not necessarily the consumer brand that is putting stuff every month, right? It's like oh. every certain amount of time, something comes out of the brand, but it's something that it's unique. It's something that I'm, I'm going to like because it's been tested. It's been, it's been tried and tested with users and it's been, it's, it's gone through that approach. And then once you reach market, it's, you have a bigger certainty that it's going to be accepted with with a bunch of users so i mean it's it's all about design thinking and agile mindset and and putting the 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 user in the middle and involving the user in the in the in the process of creating uh new projects and new products so i mean it's it's not that i'm at the pinnacle of things at the moment it's something that's still going on and i think that's how it's going to be but as i said that's what really gets me going it's like the process of trying it out and seeing if it happens if it's not happening then changing directions and and all of that so i think that's a big advantage of of being a like a small company or a one-man show or whatever you, you have the luxury of changing direction pretty quickly and you know very lean in resources just having what you need and, and using that, doing your best with what you have, and trying it out. And that's a lot of fun. I think that's a lot of fun.